Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go. It's the Steelers show. I'm Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And with me is Kevin Smith. You can call him Coach KT. What's going on, my friend? Doing well, Brian. Uh, you got me early in the morning, so this is, uh, this is different for us. And this is a good time for me. I, I'm, a good, I'm good in the morning, and I'm, and I'm good at night, and I'm terrible in the middle of the day. So. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, in the old days of the KGB, they would always plan to go either 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. to question spies or uh, question, yeah, interrogate anybody, because that's when, uh, that's when you're at your lowest levels. Oh, uh, I mean, that's good intel. I didn't know that. I'm, uh, if they got me at like one thirty after lunch, uh, they could, they could have got, I would have divulged the nuclear launch codes. They wouldn't, they wouldn't <laughs> get anything out of me. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, the Europeans who are still doing siesta have it right. Take that little nap in the middle of the day and let's go. Oh yeah. They, they really do that. Well, I, gosh, man, I wish we had that, but then we would just like pop it on and we wouldn't get out of work until seven 30. So there you go. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, we would just, you know, be careful what we ask for. I remember everybody asking for spring break. We got to get, we got to get spring break when I was in college. And then next thing you know, that's fine. But now we're in school a whole lot longer. Yeah, I know. You got to make some compromises somewhere. I was fine with no spring break, actually. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just let me get a uh, a jump on the job market my college got out like in like mid to late april so we beat everybody to the job market that's great living the dream yeah there you go way upj there we go pitch on stuff <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into it but before we do that you know we're coming up on training camp i mean gosh it's not that far away just a couple weeks away from the Steelers launching things in St. Vincent. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them back there. I don't know if the, the players are looking forward to being back there, but as part of the part of the culture and learning, do you feel that with the Steelers being back in St. Vincent, that there's going to be more of a cohesiveness than them just living at home and in hotels and reporting to work at Heinz field. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really, I think I talked a little bit about this uh, last week, just how, how valuable I think that is. I think that there is a, uh, a legitimate bonding uh, experience that goes on when you're in an old school camp environment. Uh, I think it's going to take some of these players back to their roots. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some multimillionaires who are, who are used to, to kind of having some comforts and having things their own way. And when you, uh, when you do an old school camp like this, uh, it's, it's a little bit of discomfort. Uh, I'll, I'll reference one of Mike Tomlin's quotes from his uh, his pivot podcast that we've talked about the last couple of weeks on this show, where he said uh, that that he he's gotten comfortable with discomfort and that he and that he encourages people to to embrace that. Uh, I think that 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 does reveal an awful lot about you from a character standpoint, and uh, for for a lot of these NFL guys, it's going to really take them back to their roots so i i love it and uh i'm going i i, I mentioned that i think i think we have a date i think i'll be there on uh, wednesday the third uh, two nights before the friday night lights practice so i'm really excited to see it and i think the players will be too well that's fantastic and st vincent's a great experience i have not experienced it in a long time 
but I tell you what, it's, it's really neat to watch. And, you know, I think if I had a chance to go back to my roots and I've done that in, in different things in in different manners and, you know, roughing it and getting to do those kind of things. I have experienced that as a scoutmaster as well, that there's a lot of character just going back to basics and enjoying that kind of thing. And we're taking our scouts to camp in a couple of weeks and, you know, it's only a week, but they're going to be doing things different, but they long for it the other 51 weeks of the year because it's a special bonding time. It's a special experience. No doubt. I think you, I think some people, maybe the athletes themselves uh, aren't necessarily as interested in the building blocks as they once were. But I think for, from a coaching standpoint, or if, if to use what you were just talking about as a, as a scout leader, essentially you're a coach um, the building blocks are so important. So I'm, with our football team here in, in Ocean City, we're we're in, in the early stages of summer where we're not in any pads and we're we're running, I guess what might be the equivalent of OTAs uh, if we were if we we're comparing it to the pros, and uh, we're just teaching the building blocks. and And as a coach, I love so much just the um, the simple details of teaching blocking and tackling. I mean, football at every single level, fundamentally speaking, is about blocking and tackling. I mean, those are the, those are the most important elements of a game. Uh, and to be able to sort of go back every summer at the, at the very, very beginning, no matter whether I'm dealing with uh, ninth graders or 12th graders or on the NFL level, whether you're dealing with rookies or, or 10-year veterans, to be able to just dig in to those building blocks and teach those fundamentals is incredibly rewarding. And it just reminds you about, uh, you know, why you want to teach the game because of, of how important the details are and, and, and the, and the amount of mastery that's necessary to be really good at your craft. So I know that the coaching staff will be excited about this. And I, and I think the players should be excited about the environment. Let me talk about expectations and the expectations of improvement. Do you feel that, you know, going into camp, as a coach, as a high school coach, or at any level, what kind of improvement that your team has made going into that very important camp period? I think, you know, uh, to a degree, you, you, you've obviously had kids in the weight room, or uh, if you're, if you're the Steelers, you've had guys throughout the off season at your facility and, and in some OTAs, and you can see the development that they've made. Uh, on a couple of levels, I mean, in the weight room, you see them get bigger and stronger. Uh, you, you, you see them master the playbook more. I'm sure the Steelers have their guys on the whiteboard and you're seeing them, you know, gain a better understanding of, of conceptually how, how things work. But there's always going to be surprises and um, you hope for the good surprises. And occasionally there are ones that are negative as well. But those surprises come when the pads go on. That's really uh, where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, because you, you, you know, that's real football. And, and every year it seems there's a guy or two guys or however many who make a leap for us last year, we went, we went, we wound up having a great season. We went 12 and one, and that was really rewarding for us because it was coming off of a championship season. And a lot of people maybe expected us to have a down year, and we had some seniors who had not been varsity players step into starting roles and absolutely excel. They got their opportunity. They made the most of it. 
they maybe maybe on some other teams they could have been starters when they were when they were juniors, uh, but but they were behind some really good football players. And when they got their opportunity, we didn't really know what was going to happen. You didn't know. I mean, are these guys ready for prime time? And they stepped up and, and they were. And so the Steelers will, will be in a similar situation where they're going to have some questions uh, about some guys that are going to have to step into bigger roles this year or about some of the new guys that they've brought in. And we probably won't see the answers to those questions until the pads go on. One of my favorite movies is 1993's The Program. And it's a guy that we're going to talk about a little but later on, a guy who passed away yesterday, James Kahn, was the head coach of Eastern State University. And one of those guys that made that leap was a, you know, a career backup in college, Steve Latimer. And, of course, he was doing some extracurricular things to get there. But he came back and he became a full-time starter and just an absolute force. And it was an absolute surprise because of... Uh, the things that he did in the off season, um, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, James Conn's got some great speeches in that, in that, uh, in that they, I, I love the speeches that they write for, for Hollywood coaches. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I think maybe the best of all time is Pacino, uh, in any given Sunday where he's start talking about defending every inch of the grass. That's a, that's a fantastic speech. And, um, but <clears throat> you're, you're right. You know, I, I mean, the thing, the thing about getting an opportunity is uh, you have to have, you have to be prepared for it. And I know that sounds obviously like, well, of course you do, but what does that really mean? You know, what that really means is that, that uh, not, not just your physical play, but you have to be mentally prepared. The, the idea that you can step into any role without truly understanding uh, what your job is and, and specifically not just the X and O's, but like, for example, if you're a quarterback, how do you become an effective leader? Uh, that that's a huge part of the challenge. One of the things that I've been pleasantly surprised about with Mitchell Trubisky uh, is the reports about the, the way that he's embraced the leadership role with the Steelers. And that's, that's very interesting considering he's coming in with no guarantee that he's going to be the starter. Uh, and, and essentially after having to take a, a step back year in Buffalo where he left Chicago, maybe, with a little bit of disappointment about the way that his time there had gone. And then he went and became a backup in Buffalo. And he seems to have arrived in Pittsburgh with this determination that he's going to be the guy. Uh, and that's really encouraging for me. So uh, I, I see him as somebody who, who at least right now, uh, seems as though he's very prepared for the opportunity ahead of him. That seems paramount. I absolutely agree with you there. Let's talk about the quarterback position. We're not going to talk about who's going to be the starter you know that's uh it seems like it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky if Kenny Pickett gets there then one or two one of two things happened either uh Tr the Trubisky experiment failed or this guy the rookie was just too good to uh, keep on the shelf and that's one of those things you hope that it's the latter you hope it's you know, a situation where he's just too good to pass up, but it looks like they're going to give Mitch Mitchell Trubisky every opportunity to be that guy going in. And that leadership has a big thing to do with, with everything as they try to smooth the transition for their number one pick. But we're talking about improvement on this show over last year and replacing an 18 year veteran is and a future hall of famer is nearly impossible. You're not going to have that same guy, but is it possible 
to still improve your situation, even though you're replacing a Hall of Famer? I think it is. You're, you're not going to get some of the things uh, from Trubisky or Pickett or whomever is the quarterback that you got from Roethlisberger. Uh, he just, you know, he had a way about him, Ben Roethlisberger, as, as, a, as a, that 18-year veteran um, that everybody rallied around. He was the unquestioned leader of, of the team. And he was still at times able to show flashes of doing Ben Roethlisberger things. Uh, I guess one game that jumps to mind from last season is the 20-19 win over the Ravens where the Steelers went into the fourth quarter. I think they were down 10-3. And he rallied them to a 17-point fourth quarter at a couple of touchdown passes and a big two-point conversion pass to Pat Fryermuth. And that was kind of like vintage Ben Roethlisberger. He was kind of reaching into the wayback machine there. But he wasn't able to do that on a regular basis. And more importantly, he was so limited in what he could do that the offense ground to a halt. Uh, the, the playbook was so narrow uh, in, in terms of what Matt Canada was able to call. So, well, I don't think anybody's going to argue that Trubisky or first year Kenny Pickett will be a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger from, you know, from a, from just the traditional idea of quarterback play. I do think that the, that it can be a better offense because of the amount of things that they're going to be able to do uh, that they weren't able to do last year. You mentioned leadership and the leadership of Ben, we, we know he had his own style. You know, we know he was a leader. There's, there's different types of leadership, but let me ask you about the difference when you get to a point when you're 17 years older than the rookies coming in, does that generation gap get too big sometimes as far as leadership goes? I, I don't think there's any, any question about that. I think that I think that Ben Roethlisberger did a really nice job of, uh, you know, trying to to maintain his um, influence over the younger guys and and to to guide them and to try to get them on the same page. But you definitely saw frustration at times from him. I think one incident that jumps out is sort of uh, a, a kind of a clash he had. Not, maybe not a clash, but lashing out at Frisman or, or I'm sorry, at Ike Hilliard on the sideline um, after Chase Claypool missed a hot read in, in one of the games and Roethlisberger almost wound up throwing an interception as a result of it. And Roethlisberger comes to the sideline and kind of really lets Hilliard have it a little bit. And I think that that was just sort of a, a, a veteran quarterback with a lot of young guys around him and, and, and I'm not going to question the work ethic of the young receivers, but just the fact that they were not on the same page as him a lot of the time. They didn't see what he saw. Um, I think that he just, you know, I don't know if it was the age gap between the two of them or the experience gap between them as players and, and what he wanted them to be able to do that they weren't able to do, but it definitely showed up. And, and again, already you see with Trubisky, him coming in, in uh, and, and just seemingly developing a quick rapport with these guys. He's a lot younger. So, yeah, I think that absolutely makes sense. You earn so many things with being a veteran and, and having the resumes ben Ro of Ben Roethlisberger. And, look, this is no slight on Ben Roethlisberger whatsoever, anything that we're talking about, because that's just age is a thing. And when sometimes it pulls you apart a little bit more, if I could give you a little bit of, ex of example – I have, uh, I have friends that uh, they have two daughters and they are 13 years apart. 
my uh, my son and uh, my my firstborn son, they are they were 14 years apart and they're less like brothers and more like uncle and nephew, even though they're brothers. And the same thing with the girls that I just talked about, you know, uh, aunt and niece, it seems more like because you have an authority figure that they're supposed to be brothers. They're supposed to be sisters, but you have the one telling you the way things have to have to do. And sometimes there's a clash with it. So, I mean, have to be, excuse me. And sometimes there's a clash. So I was, maybe there was a clash there, but another thing to ask you about with Ben Roethlisberger real quick is the fact that he was, he has not practiced on Wednesdays for so many years now. And do you think that that will help having a more of a full-time quarterback in practice this year, again, as far as rapport and being on that same page that you talked about? Right. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think that's a huge thing. I, I just, I'm, I just feel that practice is so important at every single level. And, and while I understood them giving Roethlisberger those days off because it worked for him, I don't think it worked for the Steelers. I, I just have a hard time. I have a hard time really uh, just getting on board with the idea that our starting quarterback is going to sit out one of the most important practice days of, of the week. Uh, and again, he, he was taking all the mental reps and, and he was right there on the field guiding the guys. It's not like he was, uh, you know, sitting at home with his feet up. Um, but, but just the, the, the repetition every week that's necessary to prepare for an opponent, uh, specifically at the NFL level, when everything, everything about the, in the, at the NFL level is about matchups and game plans and, and, and what you, what you're able to do with your chess pieces against the opposing team's chess pieces. And while Brothersberger may have understood all those things intellectually, the fact that, uh, the, and offense at times just seem to not be on the same page, I think is indicative of, of, you know, missing some of that practice time. Just one quick example. I mean, how many pre-snap penalties did the Steelers have last season on, on offense? It was an incredible amount. And they, they led the league in pre-snap uh, penalties by wide receivers, which essentially means wide receivers jumping off sides. You should never have your wide receivers jump off sides. And while, that got blamed on the receivers a lot, and rightfully so. And while that's maybe one of the reasons why Ike Hilliard wasn't brought back, that that failure to get them to embrace the details, I think a lot of it has to do with things like uh, cadence. You know, I mean, not being as familiar maybe with Roethlisberger's cadence or with when he wants to snap the ball or the rhythm of the offense and those types of things. So long story short, I agree 100%. I don't, I don't feel that benefited the offense. And just having the quarterback there for all of those reps will be important. Let's talk about a very specific game last year when Ben Roethlisberger did not play. And Mason Rudolph found out at the very end of Saturday that he was going to be the starting quarterback against the Detroit Lions, the winless Detroit Lions, in November, the very next day, because Ben had a positive COVID test. So, you know, I know... Mason gets those reps on Wednesday, but there was some struggles in that game. And there was definitely some miscommunication in that game with Mason and the receivers and his tight ends. Do you feel that one of those, you could almost give Mason a pass because of the lack of preparation going into that game, or does a backup quarterback just have to uh, be 
ready to be that understudy and be perfect every time they go on. I think it's a little of both. Uh, Mason Rudolph, in fairness to him, has has not been dealt the best hand in Pittsburgh. He he the year in 2019, the year where he he was the starter for X number of games after Roethlisberger hurt his elbow, uh, was a tough. That was a tough year for him. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't have a quarterback coach. He was a second-year quarterback without a quarterback coach. And then Roethlisberger goes out, and suddenly he's thrust into the starting lineup, and uh, at times did not afford himself very well. And and then you know you get you get a similar situation with what you're just describing against Detroit on a day where he has almost no preparation. The weather conditions are terrible. It's it's cold and it's rainy. And then curiously, the Steelers ask him to throw the ball 51 times in that game. And um, so, I mean, I, I certainly think that you can argue uh, that Mason has had some obstacles to overcome uh, that maybe, you know, did not work in his favor. At the same time, like, like we've been talking about, you, you got to be uh, ready to seize your opportunity. We can make all the excuses that we want for it, but uh, the bottom line is that uh, there just have been times when he's been out there where he seemed confused. Uh, you know, the deer in the headlights type thing in the pocket where he doesn't really seem to understand what he's seeing. And, and part of that is a lack of reps, no question about that. Uh, but another part may be preparation. We've seen other quarterbacks in that situation come in uh, and take advantage and, and, and create opportunities for themselves, whether it's, you know, with the team or down the road with another team. So I'm not positive that Mason has done that. Well, let's talk about improvement, and we are going to see if this Steelers team is better than last year, but we're going to take a quick break on Behind the Steel Curtains. Here we go. The Steelers Show. We'll be right back after this. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The worst looking man you've ever seen. And there I am on the subway train. Sitting between two finest girls I Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith, KT Smith, the coach, is with me as always. And if you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers with training camp coming up just on the horizon in just about what 13 days, Kevin, is is that no, uh, 20 days. It's coming up. And with that being said, wow, it's a situation where the Steelers are going to be getting ready for that 2022 season. And we are going to have all of your information here, whether you'd like to read it or whether you like to listen about it, BTSC is the place to be. Yeah, that's crunch time. This is the time of year, I think, where uh, everybody's an optimist. Everybody's excited. Uh, the Steelers should have reasons for optimism, too, because you you talked before the break about we're going to you know discuss whether or not they're, uh, they've improved over last year. And, and I don't know if I'm in the minority on, on this, but I, I believe that they're a better football team, at least on paper right now, than they were in 2021. 
Absolutely. And one of the reasons is just because there was a lot of attention to the roster, which absolutely needs to be done. Now, you have a, a legendary general manager going out, wants to make sure he leaves the team in the best possible shape, did a very good job in the draft and in free agency. And you have a general manager coming in, albeit being with the team for 20 years in Omar Khan, but wants to make a splash and get his era started off right as well. It seems like your roster looks better because of those type of moves and because of the attention to that roster that was given. So when you just look at the rosters, and this is all on paper, of course, but when you go ahead and look at the 2021 roster and the 2022 roster, if you had a choice, Kevin, which one are you picking up and going with? I'm definitely rolling with this year's roster. No, no question. I, I would, I would argue that the Steelers are better at every position group this season except for maybe the corners that may be the only position group where they haven't noticed noticeably improved uh, and, I, and I know that people are going to say well what about the quarterback position but like we were talking about earlier in the show while I don't think Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett are a better quarterback at this point in the year, even than Ben Roethlisberger was last season, the things the Steelers will be able to do on offense should make the quarterback. So I that the 2020s roster is better. Absolutely. Let's talk about that corner position really quick, because it looks like everywhere else there has been improvement, including that offensive line, but look at corner. So, what you're losing at corner mostly is J Joe Hayden and Joe Hayden. There's been talk this week that he's holding out for a better offer from some teams, but he has some offers on the table. It's getting late in July. No, whether that's an agent smokescreen or not, he does not have a team at this point. So when you're saying that they're a little worse at corner, does that mean that the situation with a younger Levi Wallace is not as strong as a veteran aging Joe Hayden? So I don't know if it's a question about uh, as to whether the Steelers will be worse at the corner position this year so much as it is last year we kind of knew what we had. You had veteran Joe Hayden uh, as a proven uh, corner who, who you could rely upon. Uh, but this year, you're asking Akella Weatherspoon, who was great down the stretch for the Steelers, but hasn't proven that he can do that over a full NFL season. Uh, and Levi Wallace, who's been brought in from Buffalo, and we're not sure how he's going to acclimate to Pittsburgh's system. You're asking those two guys to be your two best corners. And I'm not saying that they can't be. I'm just saying that we're in a, in a situation now where, where we don't know what we're going to get from those two. You know, one of the nice things that the Steelers do is they play – a lot of split field coverages, which means they, they'll, they'll play man to one side of the field and zone to the other. And, and that seems like a really nice combination with Witherspoon, who's a better man corner, and Wallace, who, who excels in cover too. Uh, but again, you don't have the proven veteran like you had in Joe Hayden, which makes the corner position a bit questionable. Let's talk about a couple other positions just briefly here. It looks like it's safety. The Steelers are improved because they brought in DeMonte Kazee to go along with 
holdovers and standouts, and I consider them standouts, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds. At the linebacker position, it's interesting here because we talked about improvement, but in depth at linebacker, especially in the edge, have they improved on the edge with a guy like Jannard Avery? And have they improved on the inside by bringing in Miles Jack? Right. Those are good questions, too. Clearly, on the edge, there, there are two starters, um, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, are going to be one of the best duos in the NFL. Avery's a really interesting guy for me, though. You know, I, I, I think that they I, – I do think they like Derek Tuska better than most fans do. Uh, but Avery's a guy who, in Philadelphia, on the edge, was a very productive player. And I think that he's one of the under-the-radar signings of the, of the free agent period who's got a chance to be surprisingly good for the Steelers. And on the inside, I mean, there's still concern about the, the, the pairing of uh, Jack and Bush and, and how will that work out? Uh, I think that there's a lot of people who feel like they're, they're too, they're too similar and that the Steelers don't have that old school buck, that banger uh, who's going to be the guy who comes downhill and takes on blocks and stuffs the run at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but again, I think this is going to be schematically a different Steelers defense than we've seen in, in, in years. I think that they're really going to be movement-based, uh, and a lot of that movement is going to be designed to free up linebackers so that they won't have to deal with some of the clutter that they've had to deal with in the past. So, so while Jack and Bush, I think, are, are a bit of a question mark, I think the scheme will play to their strengths. So you feel that there's improvement there. So very interesting. So let me, let me go ahead and bring this up. And I want to stick with inside linebackers, but I'm going back to safety real quick because maybe about a month ago, we did a show about the safety position and how you suggested that the Steelers use a three safety set. And DeMonte Kazee is basically a third starter at safety, the way they're going to go ahead and move people around. So if we're looking at inside linebacker, is Robert Spillane a third starting safety? Excuse me, a third starting inside linebacker. Well, for me, Spillane is uh, more of a situational player. Um, I would, I, you know, it's a matter of of, of numbers, right? What, what do you want? What do you want to put on the field? You want to put a third inside backer on the field, uh, or do you want to put a third safety on the field? Because otherwise, you're you're pretty much tied into the, your your remaining personnel. It's it's the same question about like when you go to your sub package. Who are you taking out? Well, traditionally, you take out a defensive line. So who are you inserting? Are you going to insert an extra inside backer, an extra nickel corner, an extra safety? You have to make decisions there. In my, in my mind, the, the Steelers have so much flexibility if they run that three safety package and you bring Terrell Edmonds down into the box because it really gives you uh, the opportunity to play just about any coverage you can imagine. Uh Edmonds is a really good second-level player as a tackler, as a blitzer, uh, very, very good in coverage against tight ends. Uh, you're, you're, just, you're so freed up to get creative, which I think is something that the Steelers want. Whereas if you bring in Spillane, you're a little bit more tied down to some traditional concepts because we know that he really, while he excels at one thing, you know, be, being a downhill run stopper, uh, that's pretty much what he does, and there's not a lot else that he can do. So I think really the word that we should be using when we look at the Steelers' defense in 2022 is, is versatility. They're going to be a really versatile defense, and I think they want to maximize the personnel 
uh, that allow them to uh, take advantage of that. Do they have the right coaches on defense to manage that versatility? Oh my God. Yes. I mean, how can you not be excited about, about what they have uh, from a defensive standpoint, right? You know, I think Terrell Austin uh, is a guy who's got certain strengths as a defensive coordinator. I mean, he was a pretty good coverage guy in, in um, Detroit, but uh, maybe wasn't so great uh, in terms of his blitz schemes Uh, now, but you got Brian Flores, who's phenomenal at that uh, excels at that. And um, his input, I think is going to be significant. You still have uh, Mike Tomlin, who who has always had you know significant input over the the defense. And when you put those three together, I think that uh, the fact that Tomlin felt really comfortable bringing in Flores was not threatened by it at all, uh, and seems to have a really good rapport with those other coaches is going to lead to a collaboration where you got three excellent coaches all putting their heads together, uh, and I'm really excited about the product that'll produce. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball, Kevin. And you know the Steelers have at least improved roster-wise on paper on the offensive line based on last year. And James Daniel and James Daniels and Mason Cole have a lot to do with that. You look at the wide receiver position, they kind of with the, the drafting of Calvin Austin the third and the drafting of George Pickens, they seem to be improved there. Now that we had a debate the other day on the Scobro show with when I filled in with Kyle Christ from what Ian's talking about, and he was suggesting that Calvin Calvin Austin the third might not make the roster and might be on the practice squad, and I completely disagreed because he would be plucked away if that was done. But there's a, his comment was, and his reasoning was there is, there are a lot of wide receivers at the position in Pittsburgh and losing Juju Smith Schuster, who only played a few a handful of games last season. This is a very strong wide receiver group. You look at the tight ends, you know, they're better. We've talked about the quarterbacks, the position that I want to ask you about where you have a superstar in Najee Harris, the depth is scary to fans, but do you feel that the Steelers know what they have in Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland and Mateo Durant? I do. I, you know, what they have in Benny Snell is a guy who, if Najee Harris gets injured, is going to come up, come in and and be a good every down running back. When you look at Benny Snell's career, when he has been the every down back games where he's had to carry the load, he's been really good. His numbers are really good. He's got several games where he's been over 100 yards. Uh, his yards per carry uh, is is pretty good as well. He he struggles when he. He's got to come in and be the guy who only touches the ball like three, four, five times a game. He's definitely uh, evidence of why Mike Tomlin likes the bell cow running back. Cause, cause I believe that Tomlin believes that running backs get better as the game goes on, go uh, as the game progresses and they get more familiar with how a defense is playing the flow of the defense, where the cuts are going to be, how the lines handling the defensive line up front. Uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that, that running backs, get into a rhythm and by a rhythm, we simply mean like they, they become more familiar with uh, the flow of the game and they get better as they go. And, and Benny Snell's that guy. He's not great. If you want him to, to uh, come in and spell Najee Harris and touch the ball for, you know, four or five times a game, but I don't think the Steelers are going to use Snell in that capacity. Really. Najee Harris had a, had a comment the other day 
that I read where, where he said that he doesn't expect that he'll be on the field as much this year, uh, that, that he will actually be, be off the field in certain packages. And, and while he didn't say, well, who would be on the field in his place, I don't necessarily think that that means Benny Snell's on the field. I think that means the Steelers will get creative in uh, their usage of personnel. And I absolutely think Calvin Austin figures into that. He's, he's the kind of guy that Matt Canada loves. Matt Canada, when he was the offense coordinator at Pitt, had a slot guy named Quadri Henderson who did a little bit of everything for Canada and was used in lots of different packages. And when James Conner left the field uh, and the Steelers went empty, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the Panthers went empty, they would use Quadri Henderson as a de facto running back um, and he had 60 carries for over 600 yards. He averaged 10 yards a carry for the, for the Panthers that, that season. And I think Austin will be a guy who's in that role. So I think we're going to see the Steelers get really, really creative with the way that they use their personnel, especially at the running back position. So I believe you had an article the other day comparing the Steelers to San Francisco. Is, is that true? Yep. Yeah. The Shanahan offense. Okay, so when when you're looking at at a team like that and everybody is in love with Debo Samuel right now, do you feel that if you look at San Francisco and you look at what Matt Canada is trying to do here, that there could be a possible Debo Samuel, not the actual Debo Samuel, but a Samuel 2.0 here in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I don't, you know, the Steelers don't have a, a, a parallel to Debo Samuel because he's a little bit different than anybody that they have on the roster, but they've got by committee people who do, who will be able to do Debo Samuel type things. They're going to move Calvin Austin around. You're going to see him split wide. You're going to see him in the slot. You'll probably see him motion into the backfield. They're going to move Najee Harris around Najee Harris. We saw him last year play out wide, uh, play in the slot. I mean, Najee Harris is a really tough matchup for uh, for linebackers in coverage. They're going to move Pat Fryermuth around. We've seen Fryermuth line up all over the field. They're going to use Fryermuth uh, uh, like the 49ers use George Kittle. Uh, in fact, I, I, I had a clip on there in that article of Kittle running a, a route from an empty set uh, and then Fryermuth running the exact same route. I mean, they, they, they almost looked exactly the same in the way that they ran the route, the way that they – uh, you know, really great little outside jab step and then beat a linebacker across his face on a quick little slant and both of them wind up catching the ball and turn it into a first down. So the Steelers are going have uh, a ton of flexibility. The 49ers are a little bit like they're not quite as flexible, uh, but they've got certain players who, who do these things that Shanahan values tremendously. They've got uh, Kyle uh, Jusak, Jusak, uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce Kyle's name, the, the good fullback. They've got Kittle, they've got Samuel, and they maximize their use. And the Steelers have uh, a host of players who can be moved all over the place. So I think you're going to see a really, really creative uh, and versatile Pittsburgh offense. So to wrap this whole thing up, we talked a little bit about coaching. The guys brought in, and we didn't even talk about the offensive line as far as Pat Meyer coming in. But it seems like you feel that there is improvement all around and – Bottom line, this is a better roster to you. Right, and that improvement includes the coaching staff. I'm glad you brought Pat Meyer up. He's a guy with a reputation as a teacher, uh, and, and it seems from looking at last year's line that while Adrian Clem was all about being physical, he wasn't necessarily about teaching the guys 
the nuances that are necessary to succeed at the NFL level. And that also seems true at, at wide receiver. I kill your uh, former pro and a guy that I, I'm, I'm sure had, had earned a ton of respect from, from his players, uh, but wasn't necessarily great with focus and detail. And we saw that in some of the sloppy route running and some of the pre-snap penalties. And so you bring in Frisman Jackson, who again is a guy with a reputation for being uh, a taskmaster and somebody who's, who pays attention to those details. So I think you'll see uh, a, a, uh, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily want to say a better coached Steelers team, but a Steelers team with uh, a lot more focus on execution and on fundamentals. And I think that'll make a difference as well. Very good. This has been an excellent talk. I'm even more excited about the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're going to have more to talk about in just a few weeks as they converge on St. Vincent College on that campus and get ready for the 2022 season. Yeah, that was a blast. And uh, I mean, it's getting close, Brian. It's getting to be uh, that time, that time of year where, you know, your juice, the juices start flowing a little bit. So I uh, can't wait. And hey, before we go, let's give a shout out to one of your uh, your film icon, Mr. James Kahn. Yes, it is time for the dude of the week. And one of my favorite movie stars of all time, James Kahn to me was the ultimate dude as far as acting. You know, that's the guy that you looked up to and he passed away yesterday at the age of 82. I mean, you know, we we all remember Sonny Corleone and he was such a presence in, in that movie. And then I think we all laugh at the fact that that tough guy also becomes Buddy's father and in, 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 in Alpha, you know, Walter Hobbs. But the, mo- the, the movie that jumps out for me, though, with him is Misery because. Oh, fantastic. Oh, my gosh fantastic but this the scene where, where where kathy bates does the hobbling oh gosh i still shudder to this day and so so to have this like tough guy in that vulnerable role was a really really cool thing to see him do and you're right he was a great actor actors don't follow up sonny corleone very easily and and he did yeah you could get pegged as him for the rest of your career no doubt a very funny story so i went to see elf with my sister and we're sitting there and he comes on the screen and she goes, Hey, that's the guy from Las Vegas because he, <laughs> he was on a very good show, by the way. I remember that. Yeah. And my yeah. wife and I watched every episode. We loved it. And I'm like, Las Vegas. And the movie, that's Sonny Corleone. You can't call him yeah. the guy from Las Vegas. <laughs> I know, that's like, that's like, that's like seeing Franco Harrison being like, Hey, there's that running back from the Seahawks. Yeah. <laughs> When I think about a guy like James Kahn, it's great because different generations are going to remember him for different things because he was around so long and he was so good in everything. We have Sonny Corleone. My sister has Las Vegas and my kids have Walter Hobbs. We got to give him the dude of the week. Absolutely. The least that we can do for a guy whose uh, legacy can span generations. And that's impressive. I hope everybody had a chance to check out the Friday morning edition of Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. Also check out tonight, Tony Defio and the Six Pack. And you're going to have Touchdown Under as well coming up over the weekend, the Power Half Hour, Kevin Tate, We Run the North, and a Q&A, which I'll be on the Q&A coming up on Sunday along with Greg Benevit. So with that being said, check out BTSC for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. If you want to read, if you want to listen, we've got it all here just not your one-stop shop it is your non-stop shop and it never ends kevin 
Oh, absolutely. You're 100% right. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. We need you to do three things. One, stay safe. Two, be true to yourself. And three, always be behind the steel curtain. And we ask you to do this. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Mm -hmm.